with your powers combined, we are fan holes. Go, go, go fan holes. Can't believe there's a chat room big enough to hold all of our present bodies. Wow. <laughs> of all the things I missed about the show, I miss Tony being wrong always. We've already got a me. We don't need another me. <laughs> oh boy, a Bashir episode. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, yes, Derek. Lover of lobster women, defender of Starfire's fidelity. I just want to know, who is the consultant? Who could he be? <laughs> no! I have no heart! <laughs> Nobody can relate to a, a talking cat that eats lasagna. I'll okay. do it, but I want to be immediately killed afterwards. <laughs> Derek, in your Derek layer, do you have a list of that tells you like how to take down the other fan holes? Should we like go crazy? How does my stupid voice sound? You sound beautiful. Like ten times sexier. Good job. No one gets us because we don't explain it. Hey guys, welcome back to another strange and eerie, spooktastic episode of Fan Holes Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. We're celebrating, we're celebrating, we're celebrating, we're celebrating Fan Holes Fright Fest all month long in October. And we're here for another Fan Holes Fright Fest episode. And of course, this is Derek, Derek WC. I'm not alone, though. I am joined tonight by three, count them, three of my fellow fan holes in the fan hole zone. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Who's here? Who's who's uh, part of the Twilight Zone? Michael. <laughs> what the fuck? Who's here? Somebody's here. It's not me this time. <laughs> I'm Mike and I'm a duty here, man. I wonder, hey, this I'm is no, sorry, sorry, my sorry, my Skype like froze up for a second. Uh, okay. I couldn't unmute. Okay. Hey, it's Mike. I'm here. <laughs> uh, who who else is here to be stronger, faster, more Twilight Zones alive? Hey, this is Justin. Hey guys, this is Tony, and imagine if you will. Okay, what are we imagining? A podcast with four guys? It's about that's like, to start. That's how, he, that's how he always starts. He always goes, "Imagine if you will," you know, and then. But he he usually has a big long thing after that. We were I thought I thought you you, you pulled the Yoda and Phantom Menace on me. I was like, "Where's the rest of it?" It's like. <laughs> I haven't like, written it yet. <laughs> it's like, young Skywalker will be what, Yoda? Will be what? <laughs> anyway, yeah, so we're here tonight. We're we're here uh, on this uh, Fan Holes Fright Fest. We're, we're talking about some of our favorite Twilight Zone episodes. That's kind of what we all gather to discuss. And as is our want, each of the Fan Holes, myself included, have selected one of our favorite Twilight Zone episodes. These are all from the original series. And we decided, of course, we'll go in chronological order. So I think that will 
have Justin be the one who's kicking us off. So, Justin, for this Fanholes Fright Fest, why don't you uh, let us know what episode you picked, and, and then we'll probably discuss it for a little bit, and then we'll we'll move on to the next Fanhole. Rod Serling, the creator of Twilight Zone, will tell you about next week's story after this word from our alternate sponsor. All autumn, the leaves change colors and begin to fall, the kids go back to school, pumpkin spice becomes its own food group, and little ghosts and goblins are on the streets begging for candy. But something sinister awaits. Back in the woods among those dead trees sits a foreboding, dilapidated manor. You can't resist. You must go inside and return to the house of Franklin Stein. Did you hear that? I heard that. What was it? Listen to them. Children of the night. What music they make. The Supermates Podcast presents four spine-tingling episodes covering your favorite classic horror films featuring these iconic stars. Griffin Dunn and David Naughton. You're one of the undead, and I'm a werewolf. Yes, that's right. Bela Lugosi. I am Dracula. I bid you welcome. Claude Rains. You're crazy to know who I am, aren't you? All right, I'll show you. <laughs> and Peter Cushing. Plus, your favorite superheroes versus classic monsters. I understand your concern, Mr. Wayne, but I don't think you need to worry that Wayne Tech is responsible for this invisible man. But I seem to remember last year hearing something about an invisibility project. Visit fireandwaterpodcast.com or your favorite podcatcher for the 10th annual journey into terror at the House of Franklin Stein. available in pumpkin spice flavor. And now, Mr. Serling. Down this hall is a very strange individual locked in a room. He's known by various names and by various forms, and next week on the Twilight Zone, you'll be close to the elbow of the people who let him out. Our story is called The Howling Man by Mr. Charles Beaumont. It's designed for the young in heart, but the strong of nerve. I hope we'll see you next week along with The Howling Man. Thank you and good night. From season two, Episode 5, I picked The Howling Man, written by Charles Beaumont, originally aired November the 4th of 1960. The IMDb synopsis says, Seeking refuge from a storm, a traveler comes upon a bizarre abbey of monks who have imprisoned a man who begs for his help. When he confronts the head monk, he is told that the man is the devil, and he must decide whom to believe. So you guys know me, it's really hard for me to pick favorites of anything and when we were batting this idea around like this was the first one that came to my mind and i this is what i told derek and then after sitting on it for a while i kept kind of like wrestling with it i was like is this really my favorite episode because this is one of my favorite tv shows of all time and there's so many great episodes and i i was discussing this with uh, my best friend the other day and i was telling him about you know this episode he was like well, how did you even pick one episode and he started naming off like a half dozen of his favorite episodes and i was like i know i know it, it's really hard you know you got all the classic episodes that everyone thinks of you know whether it's nightmare 30,000 or the people are like all over or it's on and on and on this is the this is the one that came to my mind when i thought like what is my favorite and you know 
I batted the idea around and I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to settle with this one. I, I like the episodes that make you choose if episodes that make you choose a scenario like, like Derek's episode, it kind of makes you choose what to believe. Like, is this real or is this fake? And this episode, your choice is, is this guy really the devil or not? And then like, that's your concept. And then it takes that concept and runs with it further because our uh, wayward traveler who's lost in the storm he is delirious he passes out he's confronted with these monks who are less than friendly they're outright kind of hostile even though he's like you know lost he's passing out and they're like you can't stay here and then he meets the guy who's locked up and he seems like an okay guy and he's like well these monks have no legal authority they can't just go around locking people up like he 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 doesn't believe the the old monk's story that this man is a devil because why would you? It's a fantastic story. Like how how could this one old man trap the devil and keep him locked up in the prison cell? Like it just doesn't sound like it's anything that's even remotely possible. So that's kind of like what your what your choice is. You know, it, like if you were in this guy's position, what would you do? Would you believe the monks and would you? leave this man locked up to his own devices or would you would you let this man loose and we see you know once this man is let loose like he instantly shows us that yes he is the devil because he casts the dude aside with his magic powers and he starts walking and he has this transformation it's in a series of cuts like every time he passes behind the pillar like it's a cut and you see a little bit more of his makeup developing he starts to develop pointed ears and horns and a long pointed nose and then he disappears in a puff of smoke and you're like holy shit that was the devil like this guy this guy just screwed up because this is uh this episode takes place in what 1924 i think and they kind of say that like once the devil was locked up like that ended world war one well this guy has just released the devil so he's like oh well he, he he's kind of like hit with the reality of the situation like he's basically like screwed the world and things are going to get bad again and we know they do and i'm kind of wondering like what your guys opinion of this episode is like is is this an episode that you like and come back to and revisit or you know or, or like what would you do in this situation like derek like i know some of your background like it like if you were this dude and you were confronted with this situation like what would you do you, you know i'm gonna uh, give you a non-answer to the question like mm. you, you, you know what i would do like because because probably like if if i had released the devil on humanity like clearly these guys have or or or, or if i was to take responsibility for keeping the devil trapped I would not tell any of these fucking dipshits. I would not be like, <laughs> yes, well, um, there are some dirty devil fan holes locked behind this door and you must not open it. You know, like I, I, I would tell them something else. Like there's a fucking, uh, uh, orangutan that has fucking rabies back there and don't open the fucking door like something that they could fucking swallow and like you know not not come off like a, a 
you know, raving madman or whatever. If you really, I must make reparations, you know, like, it's like Jesus Christ, dude. If if you don't trust anybody, like, then then wait till she leaves. It's like, I got to go make preparations. I would have been like, all right, who cares about the house being clean? Get the fuck out of the house. I got to make preparations. This is important. Either get her the fuck out of the house or or don't tell her it's the fucking devil. Just tell her, hey, look, there's a, a dog with rabies back there, like, and it's going to howl or some shit like that. And and do not open that fucking door because then you're going to get rabies or or somebody has a, a, a freaking you know, I don't know, the Black Plague back there, like, don't open the fucking door or whatever, something that they, they could actually swallow. So that that's kind of my answer to that question. As far as, like, is this a episode that I revisited? I, I think of the four episodes we're discussing tonight, and of course I'm sort of setting my own aside, I think this one is the one that I am most familiar with in terms of, Having seen it, you know, basically, I would say the one I brought, obviously, is one I've seen repeatedly a bunch and and come back to and revisit and all that stuff. But I'd say this this would be number two of the four episodes as far as an episode that I've revisited. I, I feel like it's not mine, though, like like this was, you know, and, and I, I find it uh, kind of deliciously ironic, like like it's like it's it, it's the one that you first thought of and you picked and I consider you a good friend of mine. And and the person who who basically introduced me to this episode was like a good friend of mine in grade school or whatever. Right. So it was like to me, it's like I always thought of this as like, oh, this is his favorite episode. And I get it. Like it is a cool episode. Right. Like everything that you talked about is why it's cool. Like the, the, the mystery behind it and, and kind of asking yourself like, cause you know, some of it seems like pretty ridiculous. Right. But then, you know, they try to sell it with, you know, the guys, you know, ill, you know, like he's a weary traveler, but clearly he's not well. Cause he's been out there in the rain and he's probably feverish and all this other stuff. He's collapsing when he comes in and that's why they're forced to keep him there. And they're not heartless, you know, they're, they're not kicking him out, but they're like, look, we really don't have like, we're not equipped to like treat you to help you or whatever. We can let you rest. And then, and then you got to get the fuck out of here and get some real help. Cause we don't, you know, we don't have an IV. We don't have any you know, tools to actually help you get better. Right. Even though we can shelter you from the rain, I guess, or whatever. But the, the point is like, there's some stuff like at the point where he finally releases him, he has that moment where he's like, wait a minute, this is all that's keeping you there. Just a, a cane on a, a latch. Like what you can't reach down and free this yourself. There's no time, man. There's no time, you know, and he's like, oh, OK. And he takes off, the, you know, and it's like and and the way they sold that as far as, you know, maybe, you know, motivational or, or, or plot wise was they said, oh, well, look, this guy is is feverish and sick, too. So that's supposed to, like, help with the, you know, the the disconnect that you might have. Right. But, you know, there, there there's stuff like that where I guess you have to question, you know, it, I don't know. To me, it's like. You know, what struck me is even even in listening to, uh, you know, like, I, I guess I can do my little diatribe on, um, you know, maybe faith or whatever. But it's like it's like even when I listen to the commentary on this episode and it's described like no nobody 
describes it as, oh, it's the devil. Like, you know, they, they all have to have like a, like an attitude about it where they're like, oh, you know, it's it's the full blown, you know, devil. You know, it's the devil, you know, like as if the devil's not fucking real or you know what I mean? Like, like, like the way they say it is like is like it's, it, you know, it's like, you know, it's like Santa Claus, you know, like 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 they don't fucking believe it, you know, and it's just like that's the entire opposite point of the the whole episode it's like it's like the reason why the devil gets let loose like if you want to look at it like metaphorically right and and maybe maybe you don't believe in like the full-blown devil you know that that has like the horns and the cape and disappears in smoke and has the hooven feet and all this other shit right but if you believe that everyone's capable of evil and evil is the devil then pretending it doesn't exist and then just doing whatever the fuck you want to do, whether it's releasing somebody from a cage just because they howl and it's annoying or whatever it is. Right. Like that's I don't know. To me, like there, there's some aspect of it to me that's a little more metaphorical where it's like a minor inconvenience gives you license to do evil, you know, like type thing. And and, and you just kind of go ahead and do it. Right. And, I, I, you know, it's like hindsight's twenty twenty, Right. It's easy to say when you're like the audience member and you can be like oh that dude done fucked up he let the devil out and then world war ii started like he done fucked up but like that's i I, that that's supposed to be the bizarre lesson right it's like you can catch the devil you can you can you can stop yourself from you know maybe doing evil but you can't keep them locked up for long because there's always evil out there in the world all it takes is like some dipshit to piss you off and then all of a sudden somebody goes into a murderous road rage or you know what like whatever it is right that 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 is 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 you know plaguing the world at the time right like and and it's like that's you know i mean that's that's the terminology the phrase right like when when something goes wrong they go oh that that boy had the devil in him you know what i mean and you're just like oh well you know they you know this is one of those things where I think, um, I don't know, like, I guess my background, right? Like, I, I suppose you take it at face value. I mean, I, I did. I mean, the, the interpretation of it is at face value, right? He is the full-blown devil, right? Like, he, he, you know, he literally transforms into the devil, you know, and, 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 like, there was some element where they wanted to play with that. Like, I think, I, I don't know if it was in the original short story or screenplay or whatever, but, like, one of the things about revisiting these, like, I, I ended up, getting the uh or i i sort of forgot i was telling you guys the other night like i i went looking for my dvd box sets and i was like i don't have them anymore like where are they they're not with the dvds and then i real and then i thought to myself i go did i upgrade like did i get rid of the dvds and i did get rid of the dvds and i have like this you know more sleeker you know a box set of all five seasons that's on blu-ray and you know the the blu-rays are nice like they look nice there's like original audio and then there's like enhanced audio and then they come with like all kinds of extras like basically all the episodes i watched tonight they they had commentary they had interviews they had the they 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 included like the the ads and like the the tag ads like the 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 you know the um like advertisers ads, you know, it'd be like, oh, 
is your tummy bothering you because the devil was free? Well, go get antacid pills. You know, and it's like, do, 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 do. you know, it's like playing in the background or whatever. And they're like advertising shit to you or whatever. Do you want to vacuum up evil? Like go buy the pro vacuum, you know, like there's, there's shit like that, that they have. And then they have like the next episode tags, like Rod Sterling would come out at the end of this. And then, boy, that guy fucked up and released the howling man. We'll be here next week for when uh, some other guy fucks up. You know, like, and and kind of teases the next episode or whatever. So there's like lots of cool stuff on that. And then one of the the things they have are these. Um, they they include the um the radio plays that they've done of all these episodes. And what I thought was interesting was the radio play takes like the tact of I guess whatever the original story went with, which was. Not the, the I mean, I guess I don't I don't know if it's apocryphal or what, but they say that the 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 actor that played, uh, you know, Robin Hughes that played the devil or played the howling man or, you know, whatever he's credited as. Right. Like he was the one who was like, oh, shouldn't this be more grandiose and whatever? Like like because because there 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 was there was the discussion like, will this be, you know, one of those vague type things where where it's not. You know, they don't commit to it one way or the other. Like, you you know, I, I think the original script was more like he 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 gets released. He helps him over the the cage or, you know, he helps him over the gate and 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 releases him. And then and then it's like as he sees him, you know, it's it's it was maybe going to be all done from the, the you know, there were no magic powers like it was just going to be done from his perspective. And then it dawns on him. So they they, they were trying to maybe make it more ambiguous like was that man really the devil or not you know which in this case it's it's like clearly obvious like he that you know the person that was locked up was the devil but there in the radio play there's this aspect where he's like reaching out to like help him and he's like here before they come like i'm gonna i'm gonna um put my hands, you know, together and you can, you know, uh, you know, jump over the gate or whatever and, and, and get released. And then I think he, he, he's like, okay, now give me your hand. And then the guy like laughs at him or something. He's like, ha 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 ha, you mortal idiot. You know, I'm the devil or whatever. And, and all, all they say is, and then I looked up at his feet and they were cloven or whatever. And then I never saw him again or whatever. So it wasn't, I'm, you know, it wasn't a hundred percent, the same or whatever, but I, I thought that was interesting because they have like these little tweaks to the the story. But I I I mean, I don't know. I, I've kind of grown up with that version, you know, the version where he's going behind all the pillars and they kind of take cues from like, you know, the Wolfman transformations and stuff. And I, I just remember that was always this. You know, it's funny to me that that was not always part of the original story or the original script, because I feel like that was always why everybody remembered this episode and they were drawn to it because it was and and i don't know maybe maybe it's the way we were all raised right that same friend you know was raised catholic too right like may, maybe there's something to that you know like depending on what your background is or whatever right like some people see you know uh, uh, the devil outfit and just go oh yeah that's something you could buy in spencer's and you dress up like that for halloween like it's not a big deal but like i think you know some of us, at least when we were kids, we watched this and we took it kind of seriously. We were like, holy fuck, that guy is the fucking devil. Wow. You know, and um, and so that that to me was always like the 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 selling point of this um, this episode or whatever. And then, like, I, I think I'm going to do this for like every episode. But 
the 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 gentleman who plays David Ellington, who's like, you know, the the guy who's like, you know, do not release, uh, do not let that man out or whatever, you know, like he was in um, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Like he was the guy, he was the one of the guys interrogating uh, uh, Armand before he like dove out the window or whatever. Like he was one of the guys in the black you know, Gestapo suits or whatever too. So I was like, Oh, okay. That's weird. So anyway, but, um, I, I mean, I, to me, this episode was, was always something that was, uh, something of a standout to me. And I get, I guess, you know, I get what Justin's saying. You think about, you know, how you would, uh, react in that situation. Like, would you believe it? Like, it, it, you know, in, in some ways it's like a chicken and the egg thing, you know, it's the whole, you know, would you go back in time and, and, uh, you know, smother Hitler as a baby in the crib or, you know, whatever the hell kind of ethical, you know, moral dilemma, you know, people pose in front of you if, you know, and, and, and the difference between the radio thing, I guess, before I forget, like that I thought was interesting was, you know, like, like speaking of the wolf man, like, like in the TV episode, it very much does sound like kind of like a wolf for a, you know, like where he's like, you know, like, like that, the, the howling man, like he's literally, you know, howling like a wolf. Right. But I I thought it was interesting in the radio. It was more like you could tell it was a man who was like suffering, like, I guess, you know, like that's how they chose to play it. And 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 that's even more like where it it, kind of leans into that, like faithlessness of it all, like that people don't believe the devil's real type thing, because it's it's more like listening to like Han Solo get tortured in Empire. You know what I mean? Like like it's like a guy that's just going like, "Ah, ah, 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 ah," you know, and you're like, well, that's that's, um, you know, that just sounds like a guy getting tortured. Do you know what I mean? So like you get why somebody like in that position where they're like, I'm going to go to the police. I'm going to, I'm you're torturing this poor man. Like, this is not, this is inhumane. Like, you know, I'm going to release him. And then of course at the last minute you're like, well, wait a minute, dude, like, couldn't you just, you know, couldn't you just lifted this latch yourself? I mean, your, your arm can get like all the way through the freaking door, right? Like why, why can't you just lift this yourself? Like clearly you can, you can put your arm through all the way. Like, why can't you pull up this little cane? And, you know, before he knows about it, it's too late because it, it you know, it's, it has to do with the, the faith of the situation, but yeah, I don't know. That's, that's kind of what I got on it. I think this, like, this was an episode I didn't see for a while. And then like, I read a description of it and I, and I like thought like, Oh, that sounds really cool. And like, I watched it and I don't know if like it lived up to that description, like, like, like you said, Derek, like, first of all, when it like the description said, like, you know, the man's like howling or whatever. And like, you know, I thought that sounded kind of like, you know, in, in text, it sounded really airy and possibly frightening. But yeah, like you said, in the TV show episode, it just sounds like he's doing like a like, you know, someone's doing a wolf werewolf impression or something like, oh, like so that that wasn't as like creepy as I thought. And then like when he transforms into the devil, like that's cool. But I, I feel like they go like a step too far. Like if he, he stopped at like the second to last like version of like, you know, the transformation, I think that looked a lot creepier than like the final like transformation. Like I think, you know, the 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 cape with the collar and the like, you know, that that looks a little cheesy, like even in black and white. And like it looks a little like too literal, I guess, like, you know, as 
you know, our stereotypical, like, you know, view of the devil. Like, I, I feel like they should have stopped at the second to last transformation, like, you know, scene. But, uh, but I mean, you know, the concept of this episode is really solid. Like, you know, and like, yeah, like it's a good parable about like faith and, you know, just, you know, having believing, you know, in, in certain things and like the evil of the world. And, you know, and, and you're right, though, like, I mean, a lot of. If if people were more like transparent with each other in this episode, a lot of this could have been avoided and stuff. Like you know, what you, the monks could have been more transparent with the guy, you know, or at least like told him a more convincing lie or something. Like yeah, like, I, don't, I, I don't I don't necessarily believe in transparency, but I I, I there, to me like there's I'm sure you could have told somebody something that that you know would have looked less. You know, I mean, it's like I think I think Brother Jerome tries, right? He's kind of like, oh yeah, that's just the wind, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't that wasn't quite convincing enough. Do you know what I mean? But I mean, yeah. he he to me, like, unfortunately, I'm like, he was going in the right direction. He was trying to like, he, he was trying to like put smoke and mirrors up and be like, do not pay attention to the devil behind the 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 mirror there. Like, just ignore that, ignore the howling, ignore all that crap because. You know, it's like this is this is too complex to, uh, you, you know, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like the whole like concept of like trying to. Uh, it's like, teach me how to do evil so I don't do evil. How about we just don't teach you how to do evil? You know yeah, I mean? uh -huh. like, like, but I, I was also like, you know, just stop letting him talk to the guy. Like, why isn't there someone like, you know, like over there saying, no, don't talk to this guy here. Like right, they just. Right. Like every time he sneaks away, it's like and like <laughs> and then the the uh brother Jerome's the guy who like sleeps in his room, right? Like I forgot which one was which. Uh I, I think or... Brother Jerome was the was the one that uh was the white haired guy. Oh, okay. Who the... who was the black haired one? Uh brother something. Uh I forgot now. But but I was like, you had one job to prevent him from like leaving that room and you fell asleep, like, you know. So but Yeah. But no, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to dump on this episode because I, I actually do like it. It's just I, I feel like m maybe just unavoidably like I was I never watched it like as a repeat or anything like I only heard about it. And then I watched it like, you know, when I it had access to the whole catalog or whatever. And then I was like, oh, you know, I mean, it wasn't like I, I probably built it up in my head as being creepier than it actually was. Like, I, I think like for me. When when I watch it, it does have kind of like a classic horror vibe in a way, because you you got a castle, you got like creepy monks, and you got you know this lunatic howling in a room. I, I think what I liked about it was you could say there was a twist if you really wanted to, but really there wasn't, because like the whole time they're like, yeah, that guy's the devil, don't let him out. And he's like, hmm, you know, like what 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 if I you know. Just like, you know, talk to him. No, don't talk to that guy. He's the devil. He's like, hmm, okay. And it's like, and for the last time, don't let that guy out. He's the devil. And he's like, all right. It's like, I want to go let that guy out. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, it's not, you know, it's like Tali Zone is so famous for his, like, his twists. But this is pretty straightforward. It's just, you know, like you guys were saying, like, it's a, whether you believe this guy in the story, at least, is the devil. And, you know, that's the expectation is, is like, which side are you on? Are you on a, a more faith-based ideology where you're like, okay, the devil does exist. And maybe these guys who are like, you know, religious monks 
figure out a way to, to, to keep them at bay for a while. Or you're on the more human, you know, humanity like side, like where it's like they're they're these crazy guys got this innocent man locked up, and like they're it's like torture. He can't even get out. You know, it's like you know if you were a if you were a person who went into that house or castle, and you heard the howling and stuff, and these guys were at the kind of skeevy, I would say there's a better than average chance most of us would probably let the guy out. You know, and then we would feel like, you know, pretty fucking stupid when he like turns into the devil in front of us like, ha ha, got you. So it's, it's you know, it's like uh, interesting, like, I'm, I'm try- I would say morality play, but it's not really. It's just it's just like it's just, I guess, more a test of faith, you know, is like it's not in, in this. The devil's not giving the guy what he wants. He's like he's appealing to his humanity. You know, he's like, I'm so pathetic and I'm so, so hungry and I'm so tired and and, you know like he's he's like you know preying on his weakness for this guy who's just an average joe to show uh you know generosity or pity you know to let him out and it's it's funny because at the end you know the the maid is like you know listening and everything and you know as soon as he leaves she's like ah bullshit you know we're gonna go let the guy out and it's like it's showing how the cycle repeats and also like i guess one of the things i I really liked about it was is you could say you know hey you know when there's peace in the world or there's like not wars everywhere like you know maybe this is you know something you know not any validity to it it's just a story but like it's a nice thought. It's, it's, you know, like, it's like, that's what Twilight Zone is supposed to do. It's supposed to give you these little whimsical ideas. It's like, hey, some, some guy somewhere got him a staff and it's, it's, it's in place. And maybe the, you know, Satan's put away for a couple of years, you know. And then when like shit's going all to hell, I was about to say, it's like, apparently someone lifted the staff up a couple of years ago because shit's going all crazy now. So it's, you know, it, it is very relatable and, and, kind of a timeless story you know when when shit goes bad it's like someone you know removed the staff you know it's like it, it, it's happening again well yeah i mean it's probably nice to have a boogeyman but i i think the the other thing that's interesting about what you're saying is i i tend to wonder in in you know maybe a a modern context of fear of litigation or indifference or you you know how you talked about how the, the 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 you you made the extreme of either you you have faith or or there's a more humanitarian outlook on it where it's like oh i i must help this person but i feel like there's somewhere in between where the person can be faithless and the person can also not be a humanitarian and just not want to get involved because for whatever reason whether it's legal reasons whether cuz they're too scared whether it's cuz whatever and it, it's funny because he gives him multiple options. And I, I think, I think those are supposed to be the clues that, that you're given that like something's not quite right with this guy, you know, that, that the story he's spinning is not, is not on the up and up because he's like, well, uh, you know, I did talk to brother Jerome for you. And he said this, and he's like, Oh, you shouldn't have talked to brother Jerome, you know? And it's like, Oh, well, how about I go to the police? No, 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 you don't get it. Brother Jerome is too smart. You've got to free me right now. And I, I, I always feel like, that like it is funny to say but like if something 
is too good to be true or something doesn't feel right. Like if somebody's pushing you to do something like right then and there, it's always got to be a, like if, if you can't just say, you know what? Uh, give me a couple days to think it over man in a cell. And if the man in the cell was really legitimate, he'd be like, you know what? If, if you, if you think I'm, you know, some charlatan or whatever, like, you know, yeah, well, you know, and, or you don't think you can, you're too scared to release me on yourself. I'm still desperate enough. Like send help then like, please call the police. Take, take this note to, uh, you know, the, 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 the police or whoever it is. Right. Cause at least then <laughs> there'd be some relief. Right. But he's, he's immediately like turning down everything and saying, no, you got to release me right this minute or whatever, you know? So there's, there's yeah, always that stuff. Like He's not like, well, I am the guy uh, howling like a madman, so you got a point there. Maybe you should wait a minute. You know. <laughs> what What about you, Justin? Like, what 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 kind of uh, actions do you think you would end up taking, or or what what considerations, like what permutations, did you go through in your mind when you when you watched this episode? Like, did you did you consider, you know? Re releasing the uh the howling man did you did you go oh no i i i, I you, did you feel all of our pains when uh when the little old lady pulled up the latch or when when uh you know the the, the guy pulled up the cane and you're like no 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 don't do it dude don't do it i think i would probably not take any action i think i would just leave i don't know i <laughs> ask myself that sometimes you know sometimes you watch a tv show and you're like i don't know what i would do in that position it's like okay if if you were the guy in this episode what would you do because you've got some options you can lay them out you can leave and not do anything or you could leave and go get the police and let the police sort it out and go on your way but i i don't know i kind of feel like i would just leave him there and not get involved because like the the monks are so hostile and of course we we know they have good reason right but it's like you guys have said like they they draw so much attention with their demeanor like you know these guys are monks they should like want to help this guy it's like he's he's lost and he's just coming out of the storm and he's tired and he's sick he's passing out like they should want to help this guy right like if they were you know, following their order or, or whatever their particular beliefs are, right? Like they should want to help this guy and they should be eager to help him. But they draw too much attention to wanting to get rid of him. So that's suspicious on its own. Never mind the fact that they're holding what seems to be an uh, innocent person in a cell. So I, I would probably just leave, you know, once I felt better. But I, I don't know. I mean, I was just going to say, I think the monks were maybe played up a little too hard to do that. Like, I think, like, the intent was to give us that doubt. Like, you know, maybe the monks are crazy, you know. Like, I mean, I guess that's what they were trying to do and, you know, make us, you know, at least have that moment of doubt of, like, you know, maybe the guy in the cell is, you know, just a helpless guy and the monks are just wackadoo and they, they just, like, locking people up, you know. I mean, I, I, I could see that being... The intention but you know like you said yeah it's like maybe it's just best to get the fuck out of dodge yeah I, I think i would go okay the monks are crazy and i'm not so sure about the guy in the cell i'm just gonna get out of here as soon as i feel like i can 
stand on my own two feet without passing out and just you're leave. Gonna, you're gonna take the Galvatron approach. I guess We're this, this is no place for me. <laughs> oh, I, I will say it is a good episode though. I, I beat the my my little analysis, notwithstanding and all that. Like it, it is a very atmospheric, and like I said, it does have that classic horror thing going for it, which oh, yeah. I do really appreciate. Yeah. It's it to me. It, it I mean, I I definitely it, it it wasn't the first episode I thought of, but I'm not I'm not surprised that it was one of the ones you selected. The Twilight Zone is brought to you by Chesterfield King. Twenty one great tobaccos make twenty wonderful smokes. Twenty wonderful Chesterfield Kings. In 1975. Jaws was released. It is routinely regarded as one of the greatest films of all time and is generally credited with creating the concept of the summer blockbuster. In 1978, in an obvious cash grab, Jaws 2 was released, failing to have lightning strike a second time, but presenting a generally enjoyable film. In 1983, Jaws 3D was released shamelessly attempting to take advantage of a gullible audience. By 1987, there was no pretense of quality as Lorraine Gary and Michael Caine cashed paychecks for sleepwalking through a pointless and incredulous sequel. In 2016, Paul Spatero created Is It Jaws, in which he and a group of rotating guest hosts discuss new and old movies and place them up against the Jaws scale which ignores some elements of the actual films and sets forth a rating scale. Jaws, an all-time great classic film. Jaws 2, an enjoyable film with some flaws but worthy of multiple viewings. Jaws 3, a moderately enjoyable film. And finally, Jaws 4, a bad movie. Please join Paul and his guests as they ask the ever-important question, Is it Jaws? The Twilight Zone has been brought to you by Chesterfield King. Tobacco's too mild to filter. Pleasure too good to miss. The wonderful taste of Chesterfield King. So I guess... Then I'm up next. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, I, I, I know we talked about like favorite episodes like way back in the the uh, the the backlog of episodes. I haven't listened to that episode in a million years. But I, I think at that point we were just shooting the breeze and like tossing like you, you kind, of, kind of what you and your friend were doing the other night. Just going, oh, it's so hard to choose one. Like, let's just, you know, vomit out like every single you know, episode and go, remember that one, remember that one. And then we're kind of, you know, isolating, we each pick one and then we're talking about it. But the, the one I picked that immediately comes to mind that always comes to mind every time I think of the twilight zone is the dummy. And that's from season three. It's episode 98. It originally aired May 4th, 1962. I swiped this from twilight zone vortex.blogspot.com. So thanks for the synopsis. Jerry Etherson is a ventriloquist working the nightclub circuit in New York City. Etherson is a recluse who drinks too much, which hampers his career and frustrates his agent, Frank. 
Frank believes Etherson's personal and professional problems can all be attributed to his excessive drinking. Etherson insists he drinks to escape the fact that his dummy, Willie, is alive and trying to ruin him. Frank dismisses Etherson's fears as irrational paranoia. In an effort to free himself from Willie, Etherson decides to use another dummy, Goofy Goggles, for his next performance. After the performance, Etherson learns that Frank is quitting as his agent. After the nightclub closes, Etherson locks Willie in a trunk in his dressing room and leaves. He cannot escape Willie that easy, however, and is haunted by Willie's voice calling out to him and laughing at him. Etherson bungles an attempt to join the company of Noreen, a chorus girl from the nightclub. Etherson rushes back to the nightclub, intent on destroying Willie. In his darkened dressing room, he throws open the trunk, pulls the dummy from within, throws it to the floor, and smashes it with his foot. He turns on the light and finds he has destroyed Goofy Goggles. How could I have gotten the wrong one? Maybe you need glasses, comes a familiar voice from the room. Willie sits on the sofa, fully alive and intent on continuing their partnership. Sometime later, Willie and Jerry are introduced in a nightclub in Kansas City. When the curtain parts, the performers walk on stage. Willie is now the ventriloquist, and the dummy on his knee is Etherson. And that is the, I guess, the old switcheroo that takes place in the Twilight Zone. So, yeah, I, I remember, I, I, you know, to me, I'm just going to wax nostalgic about it. Like, this this was something I watched on Coffee TV 20 for, the, you know, the the San Francisco Bay Area natives. This was this was shown in syndication. And I remember, you know, this was back in the day when I was watching things like, you know, the Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy's Nightmares and all this other stuff. And I remember watching this episode in the middle of the night. It wasn't in this room, but it was in the room that's now my bedroom and where all those Avengers figures are on that little Ethan Allen dresser. It was a the the hand-me-down Sony TV. This was back in the day where, like, you could have a TV set for, like, you know, 25 years because they were actually made, you know, quality workmanship, like, stuff that was built. I don't know. This is just me being old man or whatever. But, man, like, is it just me? Like, is everything you buy today, like, go broke after, like, two or three years? Like, everything sucks today. But anyway, this TV set, was was an old sony tv set and and it was it when when my dad got like a brand new tv set then the old tv set still worked it was perfect like it was fine like and so that got moved into my room and 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 you know i had like a vcr hooked up to it and i could record things if i wanted and whatever it was like that was my tv for a really long time and i remember watching the dummy and it was like I don't know. Like for me, it was pretty late. It was like, I don't know, 1030 at night, 930 at night or something. And, and, you know, I think I was just in my room by myself. All the lights were off and I was watching this thing and I was, you know, I was captivated by it. I, I, I think I immediately was I could immediately identify because the, the lead actor playing Etherson was Cliff Robertson. And I knew Cliff Robertson because he was Shane on uh, Batman 66, you know, it's like, come back, Shane, come back, you know, and, and I was like, for whatever reason, like, even though he was a bad guy on that show, it's like, oh, he was, he was still friends with the kid. And, you know, he wasn't all bad, right. And like, you, uh, I don't know, like, I just, I, I immediately identified, like, like, I, I, I don't know, to me, he was like a friendly, familiar face. And even though he was kind of going through this whole, 
weird thing with this dummy, you know, like I, I, I basically identified and like I was sort of captivated by the story. And then the whole, you know, I mean, th this is very clearly like something weird and supernatural is going on. The dummy's moving by itself. It's, it's biting his hand. He, he's talking and doing parts of the act without the ventriloquist being involved. And, and it's this weird power struggle. And it, it's almost like the Darth Vader bowing to the emperor at the end. It's like, he's, he's, he's bowing in submission to this dummy, you know, you know, I don't know. I, I've, I've always just like the, 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 the type of comic books I like, like sometimes like the ending of like, you know, uh, the anatomy lesson or the, the, the twist ending in 52 where, you know, Sobek eats Osiris or whatever, like these kind of twist like things where it makes you feel like, you know, ooh, or like I, I, it's hard to describe, but this whole like gotcha type thing or whatever, and like that, you know, it always gives me the chills, and 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 this episode is is very similar to that. It's just something, uh, a technique. Like I've, I, I, you know, I I don't know what about that is enjoyable for me, but but it just I I, I always like when people can get me that way. And and I feel like when when he finally talks to him at the end, you know, and, and like I said, he bows his head in submission. He's like, you jerk, you put words in my mouth, you know, like and he's talking to him and everything like it always like that always gets me every single time. So like I and it's one of those things, I think, for me, at least, like it kind of reminds me of like, you know, if you watch movies like, you know, Rathacon or whatever, like it, it just to me, like like it doesn't diminish i guess you know like I, I i know sometimes like if you if you know the joke you know if you if you know the joke like uh yellow tights you're a dick you know like if you've seen the joke the one time in a movie and then it's never as funny as it was the first time like to me the the chill stuff like i feel like it doesn't matter if you've seen it like hundreds of times like you could still kind of be chilled by what what's going on here you know so like that's uh, you know, I don't know that, that that's my whole deal with it. I, you know, I watched it late at night. It always, it always struck a chord with me and, and it's, it's usually, you know, I mean, at least as evidenced by this, it's, it's always the first episode I think of when I think of like my, my favorite Twilight Zone episodes. I don't, I don't know that I have any introspective questions to ask, like, what would you do if your dummy bit your hand and came to life? But, um, but like, what, what about like, you know, I, I, I don't know if this is like, you know, something that you guys have seen often enough on like the marathons, if it, if it's to, if it was ever a standout episode to you or, or if it's, you know, something where you're like, Oh, you know, this is something where you're, you know, coming to it and you're like, Oh, I, I kind of remember this, but not, you know, I didn't watch it. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe it didn't strike the same chord with you guys. I don't know, but just curious what your, what your take on it is. I've always liked this one and I like the choice that it gives the audience. It's like, you can either believe this guy's crazy or you can believe that Willie is alive. And they do a good job of kind of walking that line until the very end. It, it, I like that suspense. It's like, okay, well, you see the dummy moving. Like when he, at the beginning of the episode, you know, he's taking a drink. You see the dummy moving several times. Well, I mean, you don't see it actually moving. You see, you see it whenever there's a cut and it cuts back, the, the, the dummy has moved. You don't actually see Willie moving until the very end. So you're like, okay, is this guy is this guy crazy? Because 
the the dummy it has moved like you see its head has turned completely around or he's in a different position is this guy just crazy like yeah. uh, one of the things that always kind of tickled me about this episode is you've got uh frank sutton as uh frank in this episode or he's better known as sergeant cotter golly sergeant carter in this episode <laughs> Um, I don't think I've ever seen him in anything else except for this and Gilmore Pyle, of course. So whenever I see like a, a face that stands out like that, like, hey, I know that guy. Like, I, I'm always like, you know, interested. I'm like, oh, he, you know, something else he was in. But, um, you know, you were like, OK, so is Sergeant Carter right? Like this guy is crazy. And, you know, he mentions he's been to all these psychiatrists and he's spending twenty dollars an hour and. He needs to quit drinking and all that stuff. So you're like, okay, maybe maybe Sergeant Carter is onto something. Like maybe, you know, maybe Uncle Ben is crazy and you know, Willie is just a dummy. Like that seems that seems to be the case. But then, right until the very end, you don't really know what the reality is. And that's what I love about this episode. It does such a good job of having you as the audience like question what is real and what's not. And they do it with you know. The direction and they do they do a lot of like batman dutch angles and stuff mm-hmm, like i love mm-hmm. i love that all the shadows and everything the way he's like the way he acts when he's in that like parking garage or whatever that area is and he still is hearing willie like he knows that he absolutely locked willie in that trunk but he's still hearing the voice and he right right he's so desperate like he's just he's going up to that girl and he's like desperate he's like come on baby let's have a drink and she thinks like he's flipping out and you know she's probably thinking like oh i'm gonna like get into some trouble here like i gotta get away from this crazy guy like he seems so nice and now it's like he seems so desperate to have a drink like she's getting out of there and he's just he wants he wants some kind of distraction like he wants to go anywhere out of that building talk to her whatever like he's trying to get willie out of his mind and he's so overcome and you know, half crazed, he just drives her away, and then, of course, you get to the ending, and he, you know, goofy uh, or goofy goggles gets killed, yep. horribly murdered, his head is bashed in. You're just like, holy crap! But uh, yeah, I I've always liked this episode. I think you choice. need glasses. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, no, you you know what you know what cracks me up is like like you know I don't know doing the podcast thing and like over analyzing this because I've always just watched this as like a favorite episode and I think it's great and I never really I mean I don't I don't necessarily think these are flaws but I never like tried to hyper analyze it or whatever but like listening to you talk about the it, it, it's like until you get to the end, there is the potential for ambiguity. Like, is this, you know, is this all in his mind? Right. Like, like type aspect to it. And it, it got me thinking about like the, the one thing, like, even though I've read a bunch of, like, I, I did do some deep dives in this, like I, I, that, that twilight zone vortex is, it's got a really good article. I imagine they have tons of good articles about all these episodes, but I just read the one about the dummy and there's a lot of research to it. And, you know, some, some tidbits I'll probably talk about, you know, uh, besides this, but the, the, the thing that struck stood out to me that isn't even really mentioned in that article that I was kind of desperately looking for is like, there's like the like Noreen is one of the girls and then there's like a couple other girls that that come out when, when basically it's like, you know, it's like kind of like the backstage, 
you know, alleyway or whatever, you know, it's like you, you imagine it'd be like if it, if it was a theater show, it'd be like where all the, you know, like some Broadway theater thing. It'd be where all the little fanboys and fangirls would line up and be like, sign my program or, you know, like that kind of shit. Right. It's like the little back back alley, you know, once they're done with the show for the night and everybody's, you know, leaving the backstage area and then coming out into the, you know, the the walkway and, and walking themselves home at night and that kind of thing in the back, you know, the, the dark alley or whatever. And when they're on stage, you know, when they're in the acts, it's like all those little chorus girl chicks, like they flirt with the dummies, you know, and it's like, it, I don't know what it is, but it got me thinking about like Fight Club and Tyler Durden and like all this other stuff. Like, like if, if it all, I mean, you know, I, I feel like this Twilight Zone at face value to me, there is the aspect of supernatural to it. It is like there's the switcheroo and they literally change faces and change places. And it's all that twist ending type thing. So to me, I feel like by the time you do get to the end, there's no question. Right. And speaking of that, Hey, I, I got something for all you guys. So, you, you know, the guy who plays the, I guess the, the, the live action Willie at the end of the episode, you know who that is? Mm-hmm. Who? You. <laughs> it's the dude. It's the dude who plays God in Star Trek Five. Oh, um, George Murdoch. <laughs> yep, it's George okay. Murdoch, man. Like, so I was like, I was laughing about that because I was like, all I could think of was us and like you. Um, but but I guess what was what was tripping me out was like, OK, so I think because uh, I was trying to remember N Noreen, I think, flirts with goofy goggles, you know, and and, and it, it, it's. Uh, and then there's that one scene, and I think it's with the two chorus girls that come out backstage at the end before he runs into Noreen in the alley and like. He comes out, he decides, oh, F, um, F Willie, I'm going to do the act with Goofy Goggles. Like, everything's going to get better from here on out. Like, we're starting a new leaf, right? I'm not going to drink. I'm just going to, you know, do this act with Goofy Goggles, and, and Willie can fuck off, and, and I'm going to take, take him to a wood chipper, and we're going to be fine. And he leaves, and those two girls, like, the door is still open, and it's almost like they're checking out Willie, like the dummy, you know what I mean? Like, 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 like I've never like, cause I never hyper analyzed this before, but like, isn't that a weird scene? Like, like if you take it at face value, if you, if you're like, this is a dummy, like, why are those two chorus girl chicks like giggling about the dummy he's left behind? But if you think of it in terms of what Justin was saying, like this, this, like it could be either or. And if, if Willie is the dominant Tyler Durden, hip, cool dude persona that gets all the chicks, like that's, that's who the chorus girls are flirting with. You know what I mean? Like, like the, the dummy, right. And you're just like, well, if that's the case, then maybe there's something more to that, you know, like, like that, that, that somehow, you know, Jerry is, is not as cool as Willie, you know, even though they're the same dude base, you know what I mean? Like, like there, there's that weird thing of like, you know, and, and, and Willie is kind of a jerk. Do you know what I mean? But it's like, girls go for the jerks, right? Not the, like, and Jerry's the nice guy. So it's like, it's like, he has that moment where he's like, 
you know, Noreen, you, you've always been a good kid. Like, like, you know, he's like, he's like, uh, he's trying to like be a nice guy, but then he breaks down. Cause he's like, she's freaking out on him. And it's like, well, a minute ago you were flirting with the fucking dummy. Like what, you know, like what changed, you know, like what, what, you know, what's different now or whatever. And then I guess diving into it even deeper, like th- this, I didn't know until tonight, but and I'm guessing none of you have seen this, but there's a 1945 movie called Dead of Night. And it's like an anthology film. So there's a bunch of different short stories. And the short story that this is based on is called, well, there's a couple different short stories, but like there's one called like The Rival Dummy. It's all all in this uh, Twilight Zone Vortex episode. But then there's another story called The Extraordinarily Horrible Dummy. And ba- basically, like, all these short stories were, like, really influential. Um, and and so this film, The Dead of Night, it was, it was adapted uh, for, you know, like, a bunch of different uh, anthology shorts. And I didn't watch the whole film because I didn't have time, but but I did look it up. And it was on Internet Archive and I looked it up and I watched just the dummy segment and there's nothing supernatural at all. Like it's literally like ventriloquist from Batman, like like he's at this nightclub in France and and he does the act. And then another ventriloquist comes in to see him and is impressed by how he throws his voice and everything. And he's like, I can't even tell how you did that. And I'm a professional. Right. And it's supposed to be like this kind of thing of like how, how good he is with it. And, and when uh, the dummy bites his own hand, it's only privately backstage with him and this other ventriloquist that like, cause it's like the whole act. He's like, Oh, come backstage. Like we got to talk. You gotta, you, you gotta be my new partner or whatever. Like that's, that's the whole part of the gag and the act. So he literally does come backstage and he talks to him. He's like, Oh, it's really impressive what you did and blah, 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 blah. And then when he touches the dummy, that's when the guy freaks out. Like, Oh, uh, sorry. Nobody can touch the dummy. Like, like I don't like it when people touch my dummies. He's like, Oh, I get it. I get it. And as he's leaving the room again, the the dummy keeps trying to be like we should we should do a partnership we should totally do show business together and and he's like but the real guy you know the jerry guy keeps trying to oh i'm tired i'm tired it's time for you to go home like and it's like well who's in charge here tell him i'm the one who's really in charge and eventually he puts his hand over his mouth and literally the dummy bites him so hard that his hand is broken like it's it's bloody and the ventriloquist that sees it is like what are you some kind of nutcase you know and he leaves right so like he already knows something's wrong with that dude and then later the ventriloquist comes over to this guy's apartment accusing him of stealing the dummy and he's like i didn't steal your dummy and then he finds the dummy in the trunk and then he shoots the guy like, so it's like, it, it, you know, it's a different version of the story, but like by the end of it, the dude's in jail and they give him back the dummy to like, I don't know, somehow have him confess or whatever, you know? And it's just like, but it's, it's very straightforward and, and there is no twist. Like the ending is him like, because I guess the guy he shot 
didn't die. Like he, you know, he got shot, but they took him to the hospital and he, he survived. So he's, he's healing from, from being shot. And then they're like, Oh, well we need to jolt this guy out of his, I don't know. Like I, I, you know, he was like all mental and everything. So he's, he's sitting in this bed, like not talking to anybody, just kind of, you know, not comatose, but you know, like just not, he's kind of, you know, out there out to lunch or whatever. And so they're like, Whoa, the doctors are like, we think, uh, you know, seeing you is going to jolt him into action. And when, when he does finally see the guy and starts talking to him, it's the dummy voice that comes out of the real man instead of the, the real man's voice basically. So by the end of it, like that's the twist in the, this, this anthology film or whatever, but, but it, it, it was completely straightforward. Whereas, you know, in this, in this twilight zone episode, like there is that kind of fantastical, you know, supernatural aspect to it, which, you know, was, was what sort of, I guess made it for me, but it was fascinating to see like where some of this stuff came from, I guess, and kind of poke apart the, the potentially like if you just wanted to examine it on some kind of purely like psychological level, like, like if it was all psychological, like what that would be like, what about you, Tony? Like what did, had you seen this episode before? Oh yeah. I've seen it quite a few times. It's, it's definitely like, it's got the creepy vibe, you know, cause the dummy is like, He's not even just like a smart ass. He he definitely has a menace to him. Like, you know, he's just like the way he talks, you know, is just, you know, like who's you know, well, you know, it's you know what's it was really a child here, you know, and all that stuff. It's like he he, you know, it and the thing I wanted to kind of basically talk about is like even though you you cited like those stories that came before, I'm willing to bet, you know, dollars to donuts that this episode is like the inspiration for stuff like the the movie Magic, which I know we talked about before. Night of the Living Dummy from Goosebumps. Even stuff like you know uh, uh, Gabo from The Simpsons, or you know, it, it, I think this episode is like kind of like the zeitgeist of ventriloquist dummies are scary. You know, I would mm. even say you know probably uh, the ventriloquist from Batman probably takes a little yeah, bit from yeah, it yeah, you know yeah, yeah. It, it's so like i wouldn't even i mean you could say iconic but i would definitely say at the time it was done it was so original it was like such a cool idea uh everybody else was like oh i want to do my take on it you know let, let me hear i that's a cool idea let's do this with it so it, it it kind of springboarded like these different ideas you know like like for example when i said gabo for the simpsons gabo is just a dummy he really is just a dummy but like he's how the uh, ventriloquist can be an asshole, basically. Like he's like this very refined, you know, British gentleman almost. Is like oh Gabo, and like Gabo's like they're just a bunch of SOBs, <laughs> and uh, that's kind of how Willie is. Like you know the 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 guy is so kind of meek, you know. Yeah, he's an alcoholic, but he doesn't seem to be a you know a, a violent one. He just drinks a lot and is probably because of willie you know <laughs> and he he basically is willie's bitch basically and that's where he gets the idea for goofy goggles he's like i just i just gotta cut cold turkey like maybe if i just like you know pretend willie's not there and just you know stuff him away you know being goofy goggles that's my boy now we're gonna we're gonna 
hit the road and we're going to be bigger than we ever were. And he can't get rid of it. He can't get rid of like Willie, you know, and like I said, you know, it could be psychological at first. You think, you know, it's like, maybe this guy's just nuts, but no, it's like, Willie won't let it die. You know, he's like, no, we're, we're partners for life, motherfucker. And, you know, it's like to the point where you're going to be my dummy, you know? And yeah, it just, it, it, it's really well played, you know, all the actors, actresses, they, they do their part, even if they don't have like big roles, you know, like Sergeant Carter, he, he's the, you know, uh, club, uh, you know, boss, but like, he's, he's not like integral. He's just like, he's another vantage point for the audience to be like, is he crazy or is Willie actually like real? Is he actually like this fucking thing, you know? So yeah, it's just, it's really well done. You you get the sense of frustration and hopelessness from the from uh you know the main character. You, you you feel for the guy at the end. And like, you know, when you see the twist, you're like, Yeah, yeah, the dummy one. I will never buy one of those things in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> I got a letter from you from D to F. Don't peek, don't peek. What about you, Mike? Like, what was your uh experience with uh the the dummy episode i i've seen this one a number of times too and like yeah like i've always thought it was creepy like i've always thought uh you know the the whole like you know when he he puts the dummy on the couch and it's looking the other way and then when he looks up in the mirror it's looking right at him. right that's that's super creepy yeah like uh uh-huh like and yeah like tony said i'm sure this is like the inspiration for like you know anyone who does a like scary ventriloquist dummy or action figure or something that's like haunted like an inanimate object in the in the image of a person basically that's alive and evil and creepy and like you know evil dolls and all that like i think you know even like you know later on like you know isn't the, the talky tina episode is like Ta- later yeah. on yeah Ta- so, I mean, Ta- tina so that's almost or, the same concept yeah or, so. or if you want to if you want to do modern stuff i suppose you could go to like puppet master and chucky and all you know these these inanimate things that come to life and try to kill you or whatever yeah, yeah. but yeah and like i like now that you mention it yeah i can see like the fight club vibes too like that it's also like a split personality thing yeah and, yeah i mean i mean literally that that 1945 movie like they out and out say like these doctors are like this is the worst case of split personality i have ever seen you know like so it's like in in that they straight up just say it was split personality like they even have like the the bookends or the the framing device of all those anthology things like there's this discussion where they're like and if you think there's some kind of uh fanciful explanation for it there's not like he walked over and put the dummy in his chest and then he shot him but he just didn't realize he did it because he's split personality he's crazy that's for the explanation you know like like that's you know whereas the twilight zone episode i think you know there is that room of like oh wait his face literally changed you know like yeah i always felt like yeah, the the dude, you know, the, the actor playing like the real, like you know, the Willie as a human basically is looked like a like he would be, make a good like Joker or something. Mm. Like you know, he looked yeah, he had a real like split grin and like yeah, so. But yeah, you never, you never you never thought he'd make a good god in Star Trek. 5. No, I guess not. <laughs> yeah, I did that. I didn't know, but 
but yeah, like I've always liked this one. I mean, I like Cliff Robertson. He's been in a number of Twilight Zone episodes. Yeah. So, and, you know, yeah. And he was on like Batman and he was Uncle Ben. So, I mean, like, yeah, I've always liked him. So, yeah, this is a good one. Cool. Rod Serling, creator of the Twilight Zone, will tell you about next week's story after this message. You like cheap comic books, right? Well, I'm Professor Allen. And I talk about cheap comic books on the Quarterman Podcast. In every episode, I'll dissect a single comic from my collection, as long as I paid no more than 25 cents for the issue. Forget about $4 new comics that you can read in four minutes, or crossover events that can cost 100 bucks to collect. Join me in the Quarterman, where even bad comics are a bargain, and good ones are a steal. The Quarterbin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Visit us at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search Relatively Geeky or Quarterbin Podcast in iTunes. I guarantee it'll be worth every penny. And now, Mr. Serling. The name Ray Bradbury has become synonymous with a new horizon of American writing. Next week on The Twilight Zone, we present a typical Bradbury tale. It also has typical Bradbury ingredients, including a grandmother building a factory. Now, if this doesn't intrigue you, then I'm simply not doing justice to a most intriguing tale. I hope you'll join us next week for I Sing the Body Electric. All right. Uh, well, you guys might have, you know, evil uh, dummies and Satan himself, but I've got the most horrific monster of all, Grandma. Um <laughs> Uh, my story is uh, I Sing the Body Electric. It is uh, the 100th episode in total and episode 35 of season three. It was written by none other than Ray Bradbury, which was one of the reasons why I chose it. It was originally aired on May 18th, 1962. And I'm just going to take it from the wiki as far as the uh, plot synopsis. Uh, Mr. Rogers, the widowed father of three children, and Karen and Tom uh, is dealing with a departure is dealing with the departure of Aunt Nedra, who says the children are too hard to manage. The father takes the kids to a factory, facsimile limited, to select new ro- to select a new robotic grandmother. When she arrives, young Tom and Karen quickly are smitten by the magical grandmother, but the older daughter Anne will not accept her. Grandma reminds her too much of her own mother, who died and left her a bitter young girl. Anne tries to run away and runs into the path of an oncoming van, which she doesn't see. Grandma pushes Anne out of the way and is struck saving the girl. Grandma is stunned, but the sturdily constructed robot soon gets up, and Anne grows to love her when she realizes that Grandma is indestructible and will not leave them like her own mother had. Mr. Rogers also realizes how empathic, gram, em, uh, empathetic Grandma can be when she correctly deduces that he lost his own mother at a young age and, like Anne, never forgave her. The children grow up and are ready for college. However, it's time for Grandma to move on to another family, and she apparently is not needed anymore. Grandma expresses her sadness about leaving, yet reassures the kids that they brought her as much joy as she brought them. She will return to the factory where she would either be sent to another family or possibly have her mind stored where she and other grandmothers like her can talk and share their experiences. After repeating this process many times, if she keeps being a good grandmother to other children, she ultimately will be rewarded with the gift of life and humanity. She hopes. This is something they actually say that she said for sure, but she said she hopes. The kids say their farewells, and Grandma leaves the house for good. Um, <clears throat> I saw this in the 80s 
uh, maybe early 90s. I don't know exactly the uh, time I saw it, but I was very young. And it's a very whimsical story. It's it's very lighthearted as far as like the 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 way it plays out. There's no dark, grim ending or anything like that. Uh, the darkest part is the uh, eldest girl basically having a, a, a grudge against the, the new grandma. But it, it's a good it's a good, happy story. And like it may sound like it's, you know, a fluff piece or like not in the realm of like typical Twilight Zone, which it kind of isn't. I mean, there's not a lot of happy endings in Twilight Zone. But this one is just like it's science science fiction. Um, the grandma has such amazing robotic powers that she almost does seem magical. Um, it's got like a Mary Poppins vibe where she swoops in and like all the children like are like, oh, we could be better people now. And even the dad, you know, is like he's on board for the beginning. Um, he's he's taking time off of giving uh, Darren hell on Bewitched. Um, <laughs> But uh, I don't know. It's just a really good feel-good episode. Um, Josephine uh, Hutchinson, I believe is her name. Yes, she plays the grandma. And she just has strong grandma vibes. She just, you want her to be your grandma. And um, I don't know. It's just a, it's a feel-good episode. And I like the science fiction twist on it. Uh, it even does have a little bit of Twilight Zone creepiness where they pick out the grandma parts. It's a little peculiar because the 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 showroom dealer is like you could have any of these eyes or how about these arms and you know it's like it's a little surreal but uh at the end of the day i think i wanted to pick something that uh it makes you feel good to watch it gives you like uh the idea that grandmas are important and it doesn't have to be like the the real story really is is it doesn't have to be your grandma doesn't have to be your mother or it doesn't have to be your family member. They can come from somewhere else and bring hope to you and bring, you know, love to you. Uh, this would just happen to be robotic. <laughs> what do you guys think about this episode? I don't know if anybody, have, I'm sure Justin has seen it before. I'm sure you guys may have seen it before, but does anybody like have any like fond memories of this one? I feel like this is the the Steven Spielberg like kick the can segment of our podcast, you know, like like because because you've got you know the 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 in the Twilight Zone the movie, you know, it's like there are the ones that you said are you know quote unquote more atypical Twilight Zone where it's like they've got the twist ending or the horrific aspect or whatever, but then you've got you know uh, Scatman Crothers being like let's play kick the can and it's it's like you said it's more whimsical it's more upbeat and and has kind of like a uh you know a hopeful aspect to it so that that's kind of what i took away from this i i remember this episode i mean i think i think the aspect that maybe is ahead of its time or or the 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 science fiction aspect of it is you know that that concept of you know to me, it's like when you described how they went through and they picked out the eyes and pick out the ears and pick out the hair and the hands and all that. It kind of reminds me of like Blade Runner where it's like, I make your eyes, you know, like that kind of shit where it's like there's that weird aspect of an assembly line that is creating 
something that is perceived as uh, artificial humanity, you know? And so in this case, obviously that works out for the best. Like I, I, I remember finding it interesting that she doesn't sacrifice herself. Like it's, it's not really a sacrifice cause she's, she is indestructible. Like, I feel like in some ways they could have gone through the whole episode and then it ends with her just sacrificing herself and you realize, oh, she really did care about the little girl because she sacrificed her life. But in this case, it kind of keeps going, you know, for the whole, you know, the whole episode or whatever. And then as far as like funny ass connections uh, and the little girl that's all, uh, you know, hell bent on not giving grandma the time of day until uh, she saves her life. Uh, that is, um, uh, what's her face in the first alien movie that's like oh oh my god when the fucking alien chestburster comes out or whatever i forget what her name is in <laughs> alien but that that's that's who she grows up to be she grows up to be the girl that's like oh, oh my god <laughs> or whatever on alien so nice <laughs> i um I mean, I've seen, you know, this episode a, a couple, like a number of times in like, you know, marathons and stuff. I don't know if I've ever really like not like everything you say is true, Tony. Like it's a very like uplifting. It's like, you know, it's not what you'd usually think about like a, a Twilight Zone episode. It's like, you know, there is an element of creepiness to it. Like, you know, when like you said, they're they're choosing all the body parts like but it's not an episode I rewatched like that often. Like if it's on, like, you know, in a marathon, like I usually kept it on, but like, it's not something I'd go, like I usually seek out the twilight zone to be like creeped out or, you know, something, you know, ominous or something. And this is like a very different kind of story, I guess. And like, I, I feel like I was joking earlier before you got on that, like this episode, like has some of the, like what, like Seth MacFarlane kind of makes fun of with like the stereotypical, like, you know, 60s TV actor Twilight Zone monologues or whatever, where, you know, that when the father's like, you know, like, like you kids, like, you know, you have love, but you, you need someone who cares. Like, how do you how do you pay someone to care? You know, like he's like kind of staring off into the middle distance, like having this monologue. And like the kids in the meantime are like looking at him like what the what the frick is he doing like who's he talking to like you know basically like I always found that funny but uh but yeah I mean like you know it's oh good I was just I was just laughing I was like daddy are you having a stroke <laughs> he's like oh sorry kids yeah like I just daddy just went to his special place in his mind like you know whatever but yeah but. But yeah, like, I mean, it's it's fine. It's just not really one of my preferred, like, you know, episodes of Twilight Zone. It's not one I seek out to watch any, really. You know, uh, David White, who plays the, the dad, he was uh, one of two guys that played J. Jonah Jameson on uh, the Nicholas Hammond Spider-Man. So maybe, maybe in addition to... Uh, wondering about how uh children can get love uh he, he was also demanding pictures of spider-man <laughs> get me pictures of spider-man it's like grandma will get you those pictures <laughs> what, what about you justin do you have any uh fond feelings or like mike or are you just kind of like meh <laughs> i'm kind of with mike on this one like this is not an episode i seek out um, if it's on, I'll I'll watch it. But um, yeah, it's 
I love Ray Bradbury. He's a great writer. He submitted multiple scripts to the Twilight Zone. This is the only one that got made. I don't think he is a good fit for the show. That's maybe is sacrilege to some people, but like kind of like what Mike's saying, like it doesn't. The Twilight Zone has a certain feel to it. It's weird. It's creepy, and there is some weird creepiness to this one. But this episode is very sentimental, like overly sentimental. And the the problem of this episode is Anne is having problems, you know, getting over the death of her mother, which is a it's a it's a very real world problem. But it's not it's not like is this dummy real or is this guy crazy? It's not, is this guy the devil or not? Like, it's not a problem of that magnitude. So it, it feels weird to have a robot granny. And then she just kind of leaves, like, once they're ready to go to college. Like, the whole, like, sacrificing herself, I, if I were to guess... I would say they didn't do that because that was the ending of an Outer Limits episode. You know, the one iRobot with Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, um, right, right. So maybe they didn't want to repeat that. I'm sure Bradbury was aware of that episode. But, um, I, yeah, it just, this episode always felt odd to me. And not in a like, ooh, creepy, like, ooh, odd kind of way, but just like it felt off. And I think it's the over sentimentality of the episode that kind of is off-putting to me i think i think like the um the what is what's what's the christmas one i'm trying to remember the one with the toys and the 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 thing and they climb out that one no no the christmas one with like santa like like that that's that's what or you know a guy dressed as a uh uh you know, department store Santa. It's like the 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 meek will inherit the earth or something. I think it's called. Oh, like yeah, like like that 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 episode. I think is one of those ones where it it's similar in the sense that it sort of stands out. I guess kind of like what Mike and Justin are saying. Like that it you you come to the Twilight Zone expecting something ominous, but instead it's it's more about you know, uh, uh, the, the whimsical or the spiritual or, you know, something kind of uplifting and, and, and it does as weird as it is to say, like, while it's like something that's potentially a positive message, it's something that kind of stands out from the pack of twilight zone episodes. I I thought it was interesting. The Ray bad Radbury aspect to this, like, I, I kind of wonder, like, was this his, original vision like did, did, did things get changed because it sounds like he he didn't enjoy like i i think there were aspirations for him to write a bunch more twilight zone episodes but then he wasn't there there was some kind of bad blood and he wasn't happy with how things turned out and and he just didn't do anything after this and so it's like and i think anytime he like according to the commentaries like anytime he was asked to participate like can can we get uh, uh some you know a sound bite from you or can we can we interview you for this book or can we do such and such or whatever he was always like i'd rather not talk about that you know type thing so it just mm-hmm. it made you think like oh well it, it, it was part of that because his 
what whatever his original concept was was not being fully realized or or I, you know i don't know anyway just uh, it's something i found interesting it's like it's like for somebody that is such a well-known name but then kind of quickly parted ways like it, to me it seems like you know it's what they'd call creative differences today you know what i mean where you're like oh well was that because you know that, that, that his creative vision wasn't actually being realized like what like what maybe his original vision wasn't as uh uplifting or you know maybe his right. original vision wasn't you know i mean I, I and i'm not saying i i think that of this episode but maybe some people do where you know maybe his original vision wasn't as schmaltzy you know type thing like you know the the whole like you know how do we find love, you know, or whatever, you know, like that whole <laughs> kind of aspect to it. So I, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know what the answers are, but I, I did find that like an interesting aspect of this episode's, I guess, history or legacy, you know? Right. Um, I mean, you know, uh, it, like I said, you know, you can't take away from the episode what it is. It is, you know, kind of whimsical and, you know, it does, ha it does have a little bit of that, uh, I guess, syrupy factor to it. But uh, if if you want to apply it to 2023, a lot of people are like, you know, so could AI actually take over like a like a human being's job or place in a family? The answer is yes, yes they can. Oh, <laughs> they can they can take over his grandma, and then, yep. <laughs> and then go join the AI collective and hopefully become a real boy one day. Um, I knew I knew walking into this that like this kind of episode would probably be a little bit uh i mean I, you guys watched it and you know you you gave it a chance i'm, I'm not saying you guys just you know poo-pooed it uh, and you've seen it before obviously but i i do like this episode i genuinely do and i did want to kind of bring something a little I, like knowingly different because i, oh, yeah, I even yeah. yeah you know i just thought it'd be kind of fun to bring it to the mix um so i i, I do value you guys as uh observations and you know nothing you say is incorrect it does have a, a, a really big tonal shift to your normal twilight zone episode it, that's 100 percent accurate but i do still like it so what can you do <laughs> no there's, there's i mean you know like i i think you're you you've met the mandate of your goal right like that 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 this episode is certainly unique even among twilight zone episodes that's for sure. And now, Mr. Serling. Next on Twilight Zone, a journey into a future moment. A nightmarish, frightening moment in time. When man sits in his own rubble and surveys the legacy he's left to himself. James Coburn and John Anderson star in The Old Man in the Cave. Recommended viewing for the more imaginative amongst you on the Twilight Zone. So I think that will bring us to Mike. And uh, Mike has the last episode that we're going to discuss this evening. So why don't you let us know what that is, and then we can we can talk about it a little bit. Um, I picked The Old Man in the Cave from season five. Uh, it's uh, the teleplay is by Rod Serling, and it's based on a short story by Henry Slazar. It's basically like I didn't write a synopsis or anything, and the one on Wikipedia is too long. So basically, it takes place in 1974, which is in which is you know back then was the future, like 10 years in the future after a nuclear holocaust. Um, and basically, like there's this small community of people living, and uh, they they you know they get food rations, but like everything's contaminated by radioactivity. 
And uh, this one guy, uh, Goldsmith, uh, who is like the leader of the community, goes to see an old man in a cave who advises them to, like what foods are safe to eat and where they, they can plant crops and what isn't like tainted by radio radioactivity. So then um, some like sort of military uh, guys like come to the village and like try to take over. And eventually, like, you know, they they demand to see the old man in the cave and like they, they break in and they find out it's a computer like that's been like giving them all this information that like Goldsmith's been using to like keep them alive. And so, like, you know, the the military guys like, uh, uh, you know, rally the townsfolk into a riot and they destroy the computer and like not shortly after, like, you know, they ate all the contaminated food. So then they all die off and like Goldsmith's the only one left. And he's just like, you know, hey, you know, we we uh, we suck. Bye. Hey, well, we used to fall my power. Bye. And he walks off, you know. So. <laughs> but yeah, like, I, I mean, I saw this one like long ago and I it's always been one of my favorites to rewatch. And like, I, I don't actually know why. Like, I, I mean, I think it's a, an effective story. I think like, you know, uh, I, I think I, the twist like probably got me when I was like younger. Like I was like, oh, like I see, like, you know, like I didn't, I, like, I think I was always maybe a little apprehensive of what might be in the cave. Like maybe like there was some kind of supernatural thing in there and it didn't even occur to me that it might be like something like non-living, I guess. So like that, that was always, you know, kind of, you know, uh, it's creepy, like ominous somehow to me. And then like, you know, the last scene is really like, you know, affecting where everyone's dead except for Goldsmith. And he's like, you know, well, what a bunch of morons, like latest, <laughs> like, you know, so but, but yeah, I, I will I, say, like you know, if, if if there's anything my episode can help you with, watch your episode first. Then you're gonna need my episode. <laughs> yeah, uh -huh. like, this is definitely pretty bleak. And but I, I've always also enjoyed the acting in this episode. Like uh, James Coburn is the the yeah, lead, like yeah. military guy, uh, like Major French, I think they they call him. And like he's a he's a very effective like heel for this episode. And yeah, like Goldsmith is a you know typical reasonable like Jimmy Stewart type guy, like you know, that like tries to, you know, listen to me, people, like listen, like you know. Well, I'm not he's not that exaggerated, but like you know <laughs> the computer's like, gonna tell me what to yeah. do. Yeah, don't eat the food. The food is contaminated, you know. <laughs> But yeah, like I've always thought it was very, uh, very in a very effective like parable, I guess, of having, uh, you know, f like f faith, like that, you know, if something's like working, like why change it? Basically, like, you know, this is keeping us alive. And, you know, and then, you know, people sometimes people will say, well, you got to like, you know, take a risk every so often. But sometimes it's like taking a risk will get you killed. So, yeah. I, I really like the bleakness. Uh, I was joking, you know, about like, you know, watch yours and watch mine. But like, oh, yeah, this is very cl classic Twilight Zone. And and I think one of the things I really appreciate about it, and I, it's actually an episode I haven't seen a lot of. It, I, I appreciate the fact that the, the, the way they present it is, you know, a very, like, kind of gritty realistic post-apocalyptic future like you know you see the beginning when the guy is in the car but it's being pulled by a horse you know that's his that's his carriage basically and like 
the the army guys when they come in you know the guys like you know like we don't really uh recognize any army and the and the the guy is like not like you know well united states army he's kind of like yeah, well, we're doing a thing, and uh, this is what we're doing, and well, we got guns, so shut the fuck up, you know. <laughs> it's like it, it. It seems to be a very, you know, it's a believable world that they build, which is which is something Twilight Zone is really good at. Uh, what was the Dagum the 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 uh, I guess the uh, Harold's name? What was his name? The Harold, the guy, the guy with the hat, the, the Harold of the Computer Man, Goldsmith. Oh, Goldsmith. Goldsmith. Yeah, like he he has this kind of air about him, like you said, like how like all these guys are fucking morons. <laughs> but he's like trying his best to like be like the the good shepherd, you know. He's like, listen, shit's been working. Why you want to fuck it up? I mean, if just because you want to get drunk and whore around, guys. I mean, come on, this. We could have good cares next year. Just like quit being stupid. It, it's a good story. It's a good parable for you know man, eventually just doing the stupid thing that's more pleasurable than suffering a little bit and actually staying alive. So that that's the that's the moral I got is like we are more willing to enjoy pleasure even if it's fleeting than to endure suffering even if it's better in the long run. Yeah, that's that's probably what it comes down to. You know, I I think this is probably like the least, uh, uh, you know, in in that scale of episodes that I've from that I've revisited the most to I've revisited the least. I think this is like dead last. Like I feel like I've probably seen this episode, but like maybe like many 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 years ago so i was like it was kind of to me it was almost like i was watching it again for the first time you know like and and then i i i I think i think when the reveal came that i went oh yeah that's right nomad was uh telling all these people about the poison can food and i started i started sort of remembering things and stuff like that but like like uh like tony says i mean they set up the world really good i mean the you know, it, it kind of, you know, it's like you will believe a turn a Gundam world can exist, you know, because like they, they, they set up the whole, you know, this, this world's been bombed back into the stone age, basically. So they're, you know, they're, they're, they're turning over their, their, you know, uh, rain collections when, when it looks like the rain is going to be, uh, you know, uh, irradiated and all this other stuff. And, you know, th- th- there's all these people desperate to, to, get all these canned foods and liquor and things like that. But they kept saying, Oh, this stuff uh, is not going to be good for you or whatever. And you you know, what cracked me up too is, I mean, you talk about the faith. I mean, you could take it even a further level. I mean, I suppose, you know, food is food, right. But like, I mean, can liquor get irradiated? I don't know. But like, like maybe just in general, it's like, did the computer's like, uh, why don't you put this this liquor in smokes? Like, why don't you put that in the back room with all the irradiated stuff? Like, they don't need to be they don't need to be using that whether it's good or bad. <laughs> like in this scenario, you know, we, we should put all that stuff on the side. And those Snicker bars, they don't need those. Like, put that shit away. You know, like they just why, need to eat the good stuff. Why did they even keep that contaminated liquor? Like, why didn't they just like pour it out or something? Like, I I don't get that. Like, why, why would you have a part of your little ruined town 
it says condemned or something or uh, radiated. I forget. There's right, a sign right. on the, that building where they house all this rotten, irradiated food. Like, think, why would you I, keep it? I guess. I, I guess your point's valid. Like, I don't know. I, I guess I was trying to rationalize it in a way that may, maybe they were trying to protect it. But you're saying they should, like, because it seems weird, too, because they were, it seemed like they were about to put all of it in that one car to destroy it, right? Like, so why is there a whole, whole uh, building full of it that has yet to be destroyed? I don't know. Yeah, because like near near the end, James Coburn, he's like, "Hey, you know, you broke my bottle. It's okay. There's like, you know, twelve cases of this stuff." I'm just like, "Well, if it's contaminated, like, why even keep twelve cases of it around?" Because like it seems like you would want to destroy it, and then it seems like there would be the temptation of like, what if someone in town just can't stand it, and they're just like, "I I want to have a drink," or or they or they just don't care. They're just like, you know what? I'm living in this post-apocalyptic wasteland. I'm miserable. I don't care if it's irradiated. I'm just going to drink until I black out or die, and I don't care. Like you'd think they, you'd think for safety or whatever reasons you'd come up with, they would just be like, you know, let's just take this and pour it out into a pit somewhere and dispose of it. I, I, I guess, like, maybe I'm reading too much into it, and, you know, feel free to say you're reading too much into it, Tony. But maybe like there is there is so much bad stuff that is just a waste of work to like get rid of it because there's more important things to do like trying to farm and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then like on the on the flip side, it does seem like the general idea of the town is like no one is saying you can't eat it or you can't drink it, but they listen to the computer. They listen to the man in the cave, and like it, it seems like they they have said like you know. That well, that one guy, he he tried it, and, you know, he died, and you know, it's kind of like their society is built by example. It's like one guy, one one guy probably did get drunk and he died, and they're like, oh, and that's why it's so powerful when that that trooper that does his whole pantomime act of like, uh, uh, you know, like the the you know the sergeant, the commander, and then he gets up and he's like, ha ha ha, see, I'm fine. And they're like they they're they're kind of like sheep. They're they're easily swayed. You know, they're like, oh, maybe maybe the guy is crazy. You know, it's like they 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 are willing to listen to whoever holds sway. I guess maybe, you could say. maybe they think there's a chance they can decontaminate it eventually. Like like so maybe they don't want to get rid of it, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. There's there's if it's the parable of the story. I mean, I agree that like it it could be a loophole. It's like you got this much shit and nobody's going to eat it. I mean, th- there's definitely like a suspension of disbelief, I guess you would have to say. I'll, I'll tell you one thing. If if I'm ever in this situation of this episode or I'm in a Walking Dead ep- uh, episode situation, like I ain't going to make it 10 years like these people. Like I'll, I'll try it for a couple of years and then I'm going to like I'm going to run into the contaminated shit and i'm gonna drink myself until i'm dead like i don't i don't i don't think i could live that way i'm sorry like i know myself uh you know i know i'm lazy and you know i know myself that well like i'll give it a try for a couple of years but eventually i'm just gonna be like you know what fuck this i'm out oh don't get me I wrong don't. i'm not i'm not putting myself on any moral pedestal like if we have the zombie apocalypse 
I'm in the fucking Dollar General eating all the Doritos and cheese dip, you know. I mean, fuck it. You, know? <laughs> you get me an opium den and some Hong Kong karaoke sluts. I'm there with you, buddy. <laughs> but, but see, that's your plan. But then Michael comes down from the my, the, the the mountain and he's they like, tell me that Hong Kong the, karaoke sluts are contaminated. I'm like, fuck that. And the opium. <laughs> You're like, go away, Michael. This is my dream. <laughs> Uh, now make your dick fall off, Derek. <laughs> and then I'll have fun while I'm doing it. So, uh, so, so, uh, uh, some things of interest. Uh, the actor who plays Jason is John Marley, and he uh, not only was he in The Godfather, but he was, uh, I think, uh, David Banner's father on the Incredible Hulk TV series. Oh, so that cool. that was kind of I was like I know I know that yeah like, place, I knew you know? I knew I knew him from The Godfather. Yeah. Like I knew he was the dude who found the horse's head in his right. Bed. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Uh-huh. So like so like he's been in a bunch of stuff. And then also of interest, uh, the radio play for this is quite. Well, it's not extremely different, but it's got like kind of added aspects to it. And the ending is different. So uh, and I guess of interest, maybe specifically to Mike, the uh, Goldsmith is played by Adam Baldwin. So it's um, what's his face from Firefly? It's uh, Jane. So Jane from Firefly is Goldsmith. And in the beginning, Jason and his wife, you know how they're they're talking about, oh, she's like, I hope this stuff isn't irradiated. I hope we can eat this canned shit. And he's like, well, let's see what the old man in the cave says. Let's see what we got to wait for Goldsmith to come back. Like they're all outdoors from the very beginning in, in the radio play. It's almost like they're indoors. And one of the luxuries they have is like, I guess Jason was a uh audio file or something before the war and so like if they come across records he tries to like play them or whatever but then it's like you know at some point the 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 record was scratched and wasn't that great or whatever so they're listening to this old song and and then basically most of it happens the same way right that the soldiers come and you know they 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 try to you know rat-a-tat-tat the door and grenade it and then they they basically convince all the townspeople to uh you know party hardy and 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 tear down the the computer and all that other stuff right but then um as opposed to goldsmith being the only one that's left and him walking off like because it's an audio thing they can't just show you all the dead bodies on a radio show. So what they show you through audio is a bunch of people going, Oh, my fucking tummy hurts. Or, you know, like, whatever, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it's not that dumb, but you know, you get the idea these people are all howling in pain because they're all poisoned and they're, 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 they're dying and they're going to die and all this other stuff. And so Goldsmith's walking through the town and watching these people fall off like flies but then he goes back into the room with the record player, and it turns out Jason's wife was like, I don't know if it was Faith or what, but I, I listened to you and the old man in the cave, and I didn't eat shit. And it's like, and then he's like, oh, well, golly, that's great. And it's like, can we just sit here and listen to some music before we clean up all these dead bodies? Yes, that seems like a good idea. Like, let's let's do that. Let's just sit here before we have to clean up all these dumb bastards who ate the, you know. <laughs> the, the the corrupted goods and that's how it ends in the radio play so i thought that was um interesting they 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 had an extra survivor in that i guess so uh 
So poor Adam Baldwin had somebody to talk to on his little radio drama. <laughs> He's like, but your friends uh, destroyed the computer, so you know we're fucked, right? Because <laughs> I don't know what's, uh, yeah, I don't know what is uh, irradiated and what's not anymore. Give me one of the wilted carrots. Let's see what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I will use you as my test subject. Uh, I did. I did want to throw this out there. Uh, I was going to do it during the discussion, but uh, I, I got too wrapped up in the uh, the morality of it. But in in the Howling Man. Um, John Carradine is actually the guy who plays Father Jerome, who is uh, the sire of Keith, uh, John, uh, Keith, um, gosh, so many Carradines. I, I, I lost track of all the sons. Uh, Keith Carradine, David Carradine, and Robert Carradine. So you got the Revenge of the Nerds guy, you got the Kung Fu guy, and then I think the other guy was in uh, Dexter. So I just yeah. thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, I just thought that was kind of neat. It was like, you know, but uh, but back to the 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 robot, uh, not the robot, but the the computer. Like, did 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 anybody like kind of? I this is just me. Do you think like it would be kind of cool if the computer kind of spoke or something? You know, just kind of like, you know, I am the man in the cave. What do you want? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what the fuck are you all doing? Oh my god, this hurts. This hurts. <laughs> Ow, ow, ow. I mean, I I guess if I'm going to further nitpick this episode, it's like, okay. Where where is the computer's power source? Where's the power source? Um, How big is its paper supply? And how is it it connected to the interwebs? (laughs) (laughs) And um, it just guesses. Like, how sophisticated is this thing? This is supposed to be a computer from 1964, and, you know, I mean, they're they're not that sophisticated, like, not like this episode. I, I don't know. It is right. huge. Like, you know, it's hey, like, huge. Yeah. I imagine, I imagine it's like the back computer. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a, you know, like. According to Hoyle, you know, like for really reals, like yeah. meeting current specifications computer, it was like it was like a 1960s audience's expectation of a computer, which was the back computer. It was like, so, uh, you know, what what you know, it's like he goes up to the old man. It's like, Robin, let's talk to the old man in the cave. Oh, boy we can't eat these carrots you know like that's basically you know it dings and prints out some (laughs) some answer you know like that's basically what it does right yeah Uh, i I was wondering like there's that big wall in front of the cave and he never did explain how he got the little ticker tape like like he said like uh, he knew how to get in and everything like that but i was like like, how did you find out how to get in? Like, like I'm confused. Like, you know, the, the, I think the radio play tries to explain that in terms of like, because he's supposed to be like the shepherd of his flock, right? Like, but I, yeah. I, I think the idea was there were other uh, shepherds before him, and oh. they all they all pass on the secret, like where they're like, oh, like there, there's some, there was some line of dialogue about, you know. That, that that he knew how to open it and the people that 
you know, before knew how to open it and they wouldn't have opened it for anybody and I'm not going to open it for you. And then the minute they stick a gun in his face, it's like, oh, okay, never mind. I'm opening it. You know, so it's like, you know, it's funny because they, they, you say all this stuff about faith and all this other stuff. But if, I mean, it's kind of like that whole um, reason kind of why I hate, um, you know, Marvel's Civil War. It's like if, if, if Captain America really stood by his convictions, they'd have all murdered one another and, and not, um, not surrendered or stood down because, because the, the, because the principle of it was that important. Right. But instead at some point they, they look around and say, look at all this death and destruction. It's not worth it. The principle is not worth the death and destruction and they surrender. Right. And, and, and so if you, if you really think about it, it's like, he should have just let James Coburn shoot him in the face and not open, you know, the cave. Right. Like, cause right, yeah. if, 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 if he, if he really, you know, believed that and held steadfast to that, like then, then that, I mean, presumably that would have been worth dying for. I don't know that that's the reality of it. Cause I, I guess if he dies, who talks to the old man in the cave and if nobody listens to the old man in the cave, when it's in a cave, like how does, the old man in the cave and force, you know, how, how, how right. does it, how does it, you know, exercise it, its benevolent, you know, uh, 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 advice if, if no one's there to distribute it. Right. It's a, it's a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Like he needs to at least have somebody there to, to, it is pretty short sighted to just destroy it too. Like, I mean, maybe they try to play it as like the heat of the moment where, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, he's trying to, you know, French is trying to assert command of these people. So he's like, you know, hey, let's destroy it. Like, you know, but you, well, you that, know, if that, he took that, a second, maybe he could have like, you yeah, know, that, that's made it thing. work for his advantage, you know? Yeah. Well, there's that or, or also like in terms of like, I mean, if, even if they're assuming that the canned foods and the liquor and all that stuff are not uh, contaminated, right? Those are all resources, right? Like the computer is, a resource isn't it like do you know what i mean like like yeah. you know i mean e- even getting beyond the where is it drawing power from the fact that it has some kind of power source it's like maybe maybe they can use that like we, we could have light yeah or, or or maybe you could you know program your own bat questions into the computer and it could be like you know it could give you your own ding <laughs> answers you know like so well I, I did get i did get from french like when he was talking to the uh one of the townspeople like he he definitely kind of came off as someone who was a small man who was trying to be a bigger man. He's like, I mm. went to college. I'm pretty fucking smart, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Oh, oh, I had a thought and it it it, it left me. It, it is gone. Oh well. Uh oh no, I was yeah, I was just I was thinking like Gold uh, Goldsmith is like in a, a deleted scene. He's like just kind of sitting in one of the like you know, abandoned like rooms. And he's like, you know, I don't really like the people around here. <laughs> no, the deleted scene is him like sitting alone at the table, eating shawarma <laughs> with a bunch of dead bodies in the other fucking chairs. <laughs> it's like, damn, this uncontaminated shawarma is so good. Jeez. Uh, I guess, I guess, is that it? Are we, are we done with Twilight Zones for Fan Hall's Fright Fest? Uh, yeah, I, I yeah. guess so. Yeah. Like, I gotta go this, talk to the other dead though. grandma. <laughs> yeah.
I mean, these are fun though. I mean, we could yeah, we could yeah. easily do another episode of Twilight Zone episodes, and I'll pick a different one. Like there are so many of them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, you know, aside from the shitty case that keeps all the Blu-rays, I I think I nearly destroyed one of the discs trying to like pry it the fuck out. Like I don't. Why do they make those so goddamn difficult? Like like. <laughs> It's like it's like one of those, you know, it's like because they I mean, I appreciate they're trying to save on space, which is partly why I upgraded to the Blu-ray set. Right. But then it's like they're all crammed in there and it's like there's four discs on one plastic thing. And then you have to, like, press with both your thumbs to, like, release it. And then sometimes some of those just get stuck on there. So you, you got all these fingerprints on the, you know, it's like, I don't know, there's there's got to be a better way. But yeah. So that'll that'll wrap up our uh, our coverage of uh, favorite Twilight Zone episodes from each of the fan holes. We each selected one and that'll wrap this up. And uh, again, we're we're covering different fun, spooky dookie stuff all month long in October for Fan Holes Fright Fest. So uh, continue to stay tuned. We're going to have some more stuff coming up the entire month of October. And if you guys have any comments, questions, and or concerns about this episode, you can reach us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We're on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate all the likes, hearts, and shares that we receive. And we can be streamed. We're on Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music, and Apple Podcasts. And I think that's going to do it. So this is Derek, Derek WC, you jerk, signing off. Hey, it's Mike. Everyone's dead. Goodbye. This is Justin, signing off. This is Tony, and it was lighthearted, and we liked it. <laughs> give you a little rundown of what we're going to get into. We're going to talk about our favorite Twilight Zone episodes. As everyone knows, Twilight Zone is a legend, like legendary show. It was just, just iconic. Everybody knows what it's about. And they did a lot of episodes, and a lot of them were just scary as hell. So we're going to talk about our favorite. Hi, this is Mike Thunderwing. You're entering a podcast not just of comic books and science fiction, but also of the mind. <laughs> you are entering fan holes. Nice. Hey, this is Grimlock and... Fanholes. It's a cookbook. It's a cookbook. Ah, <laughs> oh, nice, nice. <laughs> Seems like we have a pretty good lead-in for the first topic. Imagine that. As I mentioned in the topic synopsis, we're going to be talking about Twilight Zone. It's the classic show hosted by a one Rod Serling, the only guy I know who possibly smokes more cigarettes than I do. <laughs> <laughs> It is a classic show. Sci- Sci-Fi Network, as you're well aware, runs like a two-day, three-day marathon. You can always catch it. I mean, it's it's always on at some point. Everybody has seen their favorite episodes. And that's what we're going to talk about. There's nothing better than Twilight Zone for the Halloween. I'm just going to throw it out to someone. I don't know. You know what? I'm going to go with one of my stalwart Twilight Zone fans. The guy I think of when I think of the Twilight Zone. Justin, what's your favorite episode? Or episodes? Yeah, it's best you say episodes because I, it's impossible to pick just one, so I, I pulled a mic and chose five. 
The one I really like the probably the most out of these is called uh, The Howling Man. And it's one where basically this guy accidentally sets the devil free from his cage. Another good one is Two, which is uh, basically about the last man and woman on Earth who, you know, survived like a nuclear holocaust. And they have to, like, you know, live together and struggle to get over their hostility and anger towards each other. And Long Distance Call. It's another one with Bill Money. And basically it's his grandmother has just died. And she's trying to get him to kill himself by talking through his toy telephone. And Little Girl Lost, it's where this girl, she falls into like a hole under her bed. It takes her to another dimension. And it's this really weird, you know, dimension. And like the dog gets lost in there too and they have to get her out. And the little people, where these astronauts land on a planet. And, you know, they, one of the guys there discovers this little tiny civilization. He basically, you know, tries to set himself up as their god, and he goes crazy. One reason why I want to start with you first is uh, I know you're a huge fan of Twilight Zone. And just to kind of – I kind of wanted your opinion on this. Do you think the remakes – like, there's been a movie, and then there was a short-lived TV show. Do you think any of those even captured half the flavor of the original? No, not really. I mean, I'm, I love Twilight Zone, and – the the 80s Twilight Zone it's it's okay but it just it's just not as good as the original it doesn't have the same feel you know it does have some remakes like one of the ones that comes to my mind is uh, Dead Man's Shoes that's a, that's a remake and it's it's very inferior in my opinion the 2000 series with Forrest Whitaker like uh, you know it had a few good episodes but overall it was not very good at all and you know I mean I like Forrest Whitaker but he's He's not at all a replacement for Rod Serling. Yeah, it's pretty sad when, like, Futurama is even more spot on with the Twilight Zone with the scary door. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some of the episodes that were kind of remade in the movie, the 80s movie, like, some of those are pretty good. Like, seeing John Lithgow as the crazy guy on the plane, you know, for uh, Shatner's famous, you know, Nightmare 20,000 Feet. Like, that that was pretty good, but for the most part, i stick with the original versions. Yeah, I understand. I, I pretty much share the same thing. It wasn't bad, just not not Twilight Zony. I don't know, just not my thing. I like I like Forrest Whitaker, but he's no Rod Serling. <laughs> yeah, I just kept thinking he was gonna like you know tell me about the morals of inner city growing up experiences. <laughs> but these guys are going to go into the Twilight Zone. By the way, kids, don't do drugs. You know. <laughs> I, I think the only thing that could even compare would be if they managed to get, like, Stephen King and, like, put him in a suit and just have him do the introductions. Like, I think he's the only person, you know, alive today that's even comparable with Sterling. Yeah, and he's definitely got the body of work where you're like, yeah, well, he's created stuff, so, you know, he's got that going for him. He's not just, like, some guy who's like, you know, I'm just an actor. I don't really have a lot invested in this. <laughs> I'm going to go throw it over to Mike. What is your favorite Twilight Zone episode, or again, episodes? I was going to say Forrest Whitaker was just waiting for that number. I need that number. I've been waiting <laughs> for that number. <laughs> well, yeah, like Justin, I, I'm a big fan of like the old black and white Twilight Zone episodes. And like I, I was like researching this topic, and I was like, wow, there's like a lot I haven't seen. Like there's a hundred and like something episodes, like what do you call it, original episodes at least. And I, I think I've only seen like maybe fifty of them, if that. So. I was, like, sifting through that pool of them to, like, pick out my favorite ones. And I, I think my number one favorite is The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street. 
which is like one of the very early first ones actually where there's that neighborhood and like stuff keeps like losing power in the neighborhood and like weird stuff keeps happening and like the the neighborhood like eventually like turns on itself and everyone's accusing everyone of being like you know aliens or something and like eventually like the whole neighborhood like turns into a riot and like at the end like it turns out like there there are aliens but they like orchestrated the whole thing and they're like you know we will turn every small human town against each other and that's how we'll rule the world you know <laughs> and i don't know i i just thought that was very creepy and effective though the way like it's played like all over the nice cutting and stuff like that i don't know it just just creepy how like human nature is is kind of like the villain kind of couple other notable ones I wanted to mention. The one, I, I forgot, I didn't even write down the title of it, but the one it has Cliff Robertson, where he's like the guy from like 1840-something, like in a covered wagon, and like oh, okay. his son his son is sick, and like he goes like and leaves the covered wagon convoy, and like he wanders off in the, the desert for help. Oh. And like, do you know the uh, title of it? It's or, uh, 100 Yards Over the Rim or something? Yeah, that sounds right. And like he ends up in the future, and like he dis- he like brings back penicillin, and then it turns yeah. out like his son is the dude who like invented penicillin or something. I forgot it. That 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 one I've seen a lot, so it always sticks out in my mind. And yeah. you know, the last one I thought of is called Old Man in a Cave, where it's it's like there's like a post-apocalyptic society like a little town and like they always ask this like supposed like old man who lives in a cave like what to do like for advice and like eventually they turn against them and they go in there and it turns out it's like a machine it's a a computer and like the computer was telling them what like foods are still safe to eat and stuff and like they get so mad like they destroy the computer and then like they all die because the computer was telling like helping them but that one was always like I don't know, cool to me for some reason. I don't know why. It just kind of appealed to me. And, like, at the end, like, the guy, the one lone voice of reason guy is like, you know, everyone else is dead but me. And and, and then he was like, goodbye. <laughs> Dang, use up all his power. <laughs> you, broke my, you broke my iPod. Damn it. <laughs> he used up all his power. But, yeah, it's like, I, I really want to buy some Twilight Zone like season sets and start watching like all of it because I haven't seen a lot of it but the like, definitive ones are really good yeah, I mean, yeah. Those, are, those are the great like good sets like I know sometimes they come out with things and you you know would want to wait for like the better version to come along but I, I'd say the definitive editions are, are the quality I mean they've got those out on Blu-ray now and I, I have them all on DVD but they're all really great they've got like Derek Derek, Derek, Derek you yeah. know what it's on my list Okay. <laughs> okay. On my poll list. Cool. Excellent. Picks so far, guys. A lot of good stuff. I will name some episodes. I do know the title to some. I may just forget because I tend to do that sometimes. One of my favorites is a very famous episode, and it was also the inspiration for one of my favorite tree houses of horror. And that would be Talkie Tina versus Willie. <laughs> where this little girl gets a talkie Tina doll, and she's adorable, and she's cute, and she talks, and for some reason her dad begins to not like her so much because, well, the girl's always carrying her around. And I just love the fact that, like, you know, Tina's evil, apparently possessed, and she, like, 
pull the string and she'll be like, my name is Talkie Tina, and I want to kill you. <laughs> and the reason I said it inspired one of my favorite treehouses of horrors, it was the one with the crusty doll. <laughs> yeah, like, that's awesome. Get yeah. who, fat boy? <laughs> <laughs> Which the Simpsons did a lot of, they did a lot of episodes where they pretty much took, were almost scene for scene Twilight Zone episodes. It was really good stuff. Again, it's a very popular one, so I, I would not be surprised if a lot of you have seen it already. So that's, that's a good one. This is one I don't really remember the title of. I looked, I tried to look it up earlier this week, but I just could not find a good synopsis of what actually happens. But it was, it was kind of bittersweet. It wasn't really scary. But these four people find themselves in this, like, deep hole, and this a place surrounded by smooth walls and they're all oh. from different yeah they're from like it's, different it's uh yeah. five characters in search of an exit I believe yeah oh, okay so. yeah yeah it's a really good episode all these uh characters have like various quirks one's like a, a soldier one's like a ballerina what have you and they're trying to escape this place they think they're being tortured or punished and you really start to feel for these characters because they can't get out. They they slowly kind of turn against each other, like you know maybe you're the reason we're you know all that and, you know good you know psychological stuff. And then at the end, it's revealed uh, when one of them almost like gets out and he does, and it's the soldier. They're they're all actually toys. And whenever they're outside of what is pretty much like toy donation bin, they're just toys. But when they're inside, they actually have a life. They're actually you know living. And it was kind of sad, but it was also really well done because it was a great example of like the twist ending that Twilight Zone was really good at. Something M Night Shyamalan to learn. <laughs> sounds like that. It sounds like Indian in the cupboard ripped that off or something. Unless that that novel existed before that, which I doubt, but it could have. Yeah, it was a really good episode. I, I would definitely try to pick that one up on the either DVD on one of the uh, season episodes or uh, when Twi- uh, when uh, Sci-Fi does do their, you know, gigantic friggin' marathon. Let's see, I'm trying to think of uh, one more I like. I'm kind of, I don't know if I want to talk about this one because it's really a sweet episode, but it was written by, it was written by Ray Bradbury, which is why I also like it because it's really good science fiction. It's called I Sing the Body Electric. It's a very, very sweet story. It's not really dark. It's not twisted. It's just a good story. It's basically, you know, these kids have no one to help raise them except for their father, and they don't have a mother, and it's in the future. A very, a very you know, you know, in the near future kind of setting. You know, you know, there's no flying cars or anything. Everybody still lives in houses and stuff. No flying apartments or whatever. But the father goes and buys a grandma and it's a robotic grandma and these grandmas are pretty much programmed to be everything that a child could want they're nurturing they're caring they're loving and it's just and they have personality they're not just you know like you know yes dear i will get you some more you know fruit gushers you know (laughs) it's like it was really well done Hey, man, fruit gushers are all you need. <laughs> all you need is gushers. But I really, and there, there's some really good acting in it, too. The grandma is, the grandma is so lovable. You just were like, I want that to be my grandma. My grandma drinks too much rum. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, it, 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 you know, I know this is a Halloween episode, and we should be talking more about you know dark ones. But those are some of my favorite Twilight, like, the Twilight Zone episodes. If you want something a little bit more dark, this is one Justin has referenced many times, and it's been referenced in so many media. But it is a good kind of scary one. The one where Burgess Meredith, accountant, gets locked in a vault, and the apocalypse happens, and he's wandering around a devastated you know New York City or Chicago. I can't remember which one, and. All he really wanted to do was, you know, read books. He, he was, was in so like young. three or four episodes. It, it has the, you know, famous quote, you know, there was finally there was time. Because at the end he has all these books and he can read them and he does have all the time in the world. I think that's what the episode is called, wasn't it? Doesn't doesn't he also say? <laughs> <laughs> and he also steals the Batmobile. <laughs> but yeah, it's a classic episode. Everybody's seen it, so I felt, you know, like eh, I should bring it up, I guess. But that's more of a scary one because when he's wandering around they did a very good job of making New York look like you know it had been hit by a nuke and and of course it's sad he could read all the books he wants but then his glasses fall off his you know face and they break which is you know sad and poignant and I was like okay on one hand couldn't you just go get more glasses but as far as the story goes I understand it was, it was supposed to you know hit a chord and it did it made you feel bad for him poor Pingy but those are some of my favorite ones. I want to go over to Mr. Derek now. I'm sure, again, he has many of his favorite episodes. We, we shouldn't even say, what's your favorite episode? What are your favorite episodes? Well, actually, like I, I tried to play by the rules, people, so <laughs> I, I just picked one. But like I, I, I will just proceed by following up on some of the ones that were mentioned previously. Like the the you know what the howling man you know like that one is pretty cool the one that Justin was talking about where the guy's got the devil locked up in the box like that's a pretty awesome episode you know the transformation from the you know the man to the devil and all that kind of stuff and you know I I enjoy you know a great many deal of Twilight Zone episodes whether they be with William Shatner or otherwise but my favorite episode and one that kind of creeped me out when I was uh, a young lad who uh, was watching an old busted Sony television set in a dark room one night was the episode The Dummy that starred Cliff Robertson. And that was pretty much my favorite episode because I remembered Cliff Robertson being shame on Batman, so I already kind of, you know, had some kind of connection and stuff like that with him, and so I sort of already related to him. And he plays a, a ventriloquist who's got his little carnival act going on, and, you know, he's got his dummy on stage, and they're making jokes and doing their routine and everything, but he's kind of washed up, and everybody kind of treats him as a drunk and everything, and they don't really take him as seriously, you know, that he's not in his prime anymore and stuff like that you know and you know i was young enough that i wasn't like oh he's a dirty old drunk and i don't like him you know i was like i put you know you feel bad for the guy he's a good actor he's personable he's kind of like you know like jimmy stewart in that way kind of like you know cliff robertson is an everyman and of course you know eventually the the freaky thing kind of like what you were talking about before with you know talking tina going like i want to kill you you know his his <laughs> dummy basically his act you know comes to life again too and his you know, his dummy, you know, he's like, hey there, what's going on? You know, and he's like, you know, look, look, no hands, no hands, see? <laughs> you know, and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, and basically, like, it was kind of freaky. The music was pretty freaky. And, you know, I think I think the first time I watched it, I was like eight or nine, and I was just watching it in a room alone that was dark and stuff. And I was like, it's, you know, the way the camera moves around, all Star Trek-ish, you know, where everything's kind of crooked and tilted, and you're kind of like, hey, this is pretty freaky and everything. So, like, I've always really enjoyed that episode the most so that's why i would i would pick that as my my overall twilight zone favorite i think that was an episode that unleashed the floodgates for so many people to have a 
unreasonable fear, stark fear of ventriloquist dummies. Yeah, yeah, you know, like that kind of thing, you know. And, you know, he, he like, he's like, I, I got the wrong one, but wait, how did it, he was in the box, and, ah, you know, and stuff like that. And he's like, you made me what I am today. You put words <laughs> in my mouth. You know, and, like, you know, so, like, yeah, it was, it was a cool episode and so. stuff. Excellent, excellent. Derek, playing by the rules, being a upstanding <laughs> Twilight Zone citizen. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm such a I'm such a rebel with my honorable mentions. I've corrupted Derek. I've corrupted Justin too. He did honorable mentions. Rules where we're going, we don't need rules. <laughs> Please, where topics can just go wherever the fuck they want. <laughs> Oh, oh, excellent. If for some god-awful reason you have not seen The Twilight Zone, just watch any episode. There's very few clunkers in the entire run. There's only one or two that I've ever been like, eh, it was okay. And even those weren't bad. So yeah, yeah, watch Twilight Zone. It's, it's well worth the uh, investment of 22 minutes of your time, trust me.